Welcome to the latest episode of our journey through the Gospel of Mark. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. In today's episode, we're diving into the hugely significant theme that I've entitled The Long Shadow of the Cross. And we'll be looking at Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. The shadow of the cross is a shadow that casts back through time when God incarnate arrived as a vulnerable child, but yet still eventually facing and indeed embracing the agony of the cross. The birth in a humble stable set the stage for a life that challenged societal norms, embraced the rejected and advocated for divine justice and love. Welcome to today's episode of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Welcome whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here from the very beginning. And if you are here for the very first time, then why not click on the subscribe button and make the decision to make the study of the Bible, the Word of God, part of the rhythm of your daily life. And if you are here for the very first time, do hang around at the end while I'll tell you lots of ways you can connect with this ministry, receive free additional Bible teaching resources, and hear about other podcasts I'm involved in. But with that all said, we'll drop back in and pick up where I left off last time, and I'll see you at the end. Bye-bye for now. Christmas story tells us that God is with us, and he's with us today, that the incarnate God was made flesh in a vulnerable child, yet that same child later we find in agony a dying man on a cross. The word became flesh and did indeed dwell amongst us, full of grace, love and truth. Luke, in considering these matters, tells us, And she gave birth to her firstborn a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room available for them at the inn. Now we're at the point of the narrative in Mark's Gospel where we are considering the crucifixion itself, but we allow the shadow of the cross to cast back to Bethlehem. We see there a helpless child, a child born in humble circumstances, the prequel of a life which embraced the rejected people of society, overthrew man-made structures of both religious and secular power in favour of the justice and the love of God. In that Advent story, God is shown as embracing all humanity, an invitation offered to all of us. No longer need we feel God is remote and far off, because now we can imagine him in human form, a new intimacy with God, a new openness to other people and to God himself, because he became one and became one of us. Understanding the facts that Jesus came to earth as a baby and died some 33 years later is one thing. However, knowing the significance of that life and death is quite another. And what I'd like us to do today is talk about the significance of that one life and how, even in the nativity story, the shadow of the cross fell upon the manger in the stable. Many people today know the basic facts. He was born in Bethlehem and he died crucified on Calvary. 
yet I would contest that most still don't know what that means. Although many are familiar with the Christmas story and these passages concerning his birth, at the end of the day it is a life that though begun will end up on a cross of Calvary. So let's pick up the narrative at the very end of this one most significant of lives. And the first verse we look at today in Mark's Gospel is chapter 15 verse 33 where it tells us at noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So at this point where we are picking up today Christ has now hung on the cross for six hours and for the last three hours the whole land has been covered in darkness. Then it tells us that this happens. At three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sagbachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Please note this is not the only time in the New Testament where Jesus called out, called upon God. At all other times he addressed him as Father, so it's significant that this time we hear him cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now at one level you might discover that that's a straight quotation from Psalm 22. But the big question that is raised out of his use of this term is why did he call him God rather than Father? Why did he call out to God and why did God his Father seem to forsake him? It was because at this point, the very point that Jesus stands in fully human form because he becomes our sin and he dies for our sins and the sins of the world at this point. And because of that, because of that fact, then God the Father, by necessity, has to turn away. The text then goes on to say, When some of those standing there nearby heard this, they said, Listen, he's called Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on the staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Others said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. So again, we have the people misunderstanding him. And because of that, they mock him. They thought he was crying out to Elijah to come and save him. But none of that, none of what they said was even close to understanding what was really going on here. I've already mentioned the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And that's the simple way to state what's going on here. But at this point, at this point we recognize that Jesus Christ did that for us. And it's also at this point at which we as believers this very point in time, have the opportunity to become children of God. So when we understand that Jesus Christ died for our sins on that day and trust in him and trust in that, it is at that moment, that precise moment, we become the adopted children of God. Let me say the same thing another way. God became our father on that day. He gave us the opportunity to become his children. When Jesus died for your sins, for our sins, for your sins personally, it was in order to enable God to become your Father. The death of Christ makes it possible for us, even though sinful in human terms, to be God's children and for God to be our Father. How amazing. But there's more. Listen to the text. Verse 37 tells us, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Now we're told in John's Gospel account that it was this point Jesus cried, It is finished. And Luke also adds the phrase, Into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And all that is true, but the important point is illustrated by what happens next. What it means is illustrated by the next verse here, when it tells us the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Jesus died and immediately the temple veil is torn. I would submit to you that this is one of the most deeply significant things about the death of Christ. But in order to fully appreciate it, to understand it fully, you need to understand something about the tabernacle and indeed later the temple. Let me try and do justice to this. The tabernacle. Imagine an area about twice the size of a football pitch, marked out by a barrier all the way round it. Within it there is a tented structure at one end. So as you pass through the gate, the first thing that strikes you is you see an altar. Then you see a piece of furniture and you find yourself in the outer courtyard area. And beyond the brazen altar there is a laver. A laver is a type of wash basin and only the priests could go to it. Standing there, they would go through the ceremonial washing and cleansing and only after that could those class of people go into the tabernacle proper. Now this tabernacle was a large tented area about 60% the size of a tennis court, or perhaps a badminton court, if you have that in your, in your mind. And internally in that area, it was divided into two parts, separated by a thick veil. The first part was called the holy place and contained another altar, a candelabra, and a table of showbread. The priests, and only the priests, could enter regularly into that compartment. But even they... Even those priests could not enter into the second area because that lay beyond this curtain, this veil. The second area was called the Holiest of Holies and there contained within it was the Ark of the Covenant and the glory of God was found in there. What is described as the Shekinah glory of God representing the very presence of God dwelling in that place and only one man, the high priest, could go there. And he could only go in there into that holiest of holy places one day a year on the Day of Atonement. So what this whole tabernacle structure, this whole area is teaching the whole nation and the world beyond is that no ordinary man or woman could have access to God. If you were lucky enough to be a man, you could get partway there. And if you were a priest, you could go a little bit further. But only if you were the high priest could you actually enter the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwells. And you could only do that on one day, once a year, if everything and all the rituals had been done properly. And this tabernacle, this place that represented the presence of God, where God dwelt among his people, was carried around and constructed everywhere they stopped and everywhere they paused. And even that priest, when he went in to the Holy of Holies, had a rope tied around his leg and with bells on his garment, representing the fact that if there was any sin in that place, he would be struck down dead and would need to be pulled out. Now, of course, later, this tabernacle was replaced by a permanent structure, and by the time of Jesus, that permanent structure existed and was called the temple. So let me quickly describe that temple. That was the whole area and enormous building in the city of Jerusalem. And around it stood the court of the Gentiles. Now, anybody could visit there, but if you were a Gentile, you could go no further. You could pass through the main gate, the gate beautiful, but then you could not enter what lay beyond. 
There was an area called the woman's courtyard. Jewish men and Jewish women could go into that courtyard, but Gentiles could not go. And women, Jewish women, although they could go in, they could go no further. And beyond that, there was another gate, the gate of Nicanor, which was the court of the Israelites. And only Jewish Israelite men could go there. Then just beyond that lay the slaughter tables and the up and the altar. And then there was the court of the priests. And guess what? You had to be a priest to get that far. And then beyond that was the building, which was the temple proper. Do you want to dig deeper in your study of Reformed theology? The All of Life for God podcast, presented by Reformation Heritage Books, offers you weekly sermons, audiobook chapters, and interviews that will help strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. So what are you waiting for? Just search All of Life for God wherever you get your podcast and start listening today. Presented by Reformation Heritage Books. The temple was the permanent structure, the permanent building modeled after the tabernacle. That item I described, the movable, transportable sort of temple that went with the children of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. But within this temple structure, the temple proper, you would first again enter in through the vestibule into the holy priest, but only a priest. And then beyond that, up some steps, was the Holy of Holies. And there, two compartments again. So even the temple proper was separated by a veil. And it is this veil that has been talked about here. A veil about 30 feet wide and estimated to be 45 feet high. Just like in the tabernacle, but this time within the whole structure. This whole edifice, this whole temple proper existed to say that people could only go so far but no further when it comes to approaching God. If you're a Gentile, you could go so far. If you were a woman and Jewish, you could go a little bit further, but only so far again. If you were an Israelite male, you could go a bit further again, but yet even only so far. And if you were a priest, you could go further again, but again only so far. And then finally, once again, the high priest alone could enter beyond the veil into the holiest of holies. Him alone into the presence of God and only once a year one man on the whole of God's earth on the whole of God's creation one man once a year only could enter into the presence of God in that particular place but here we have the moment Jesus died in the cross we are told that barrier was torn from top to bottom that which separated people from the presence of God was torn wide open when Jesus died Every single man and woman on this planet from that day and thereafter is invited, offered, welcomed into the presence of God as God's special children. We just have to cry out in repentance and faith and enter in. The death of Christ and the tearing of the veil represents the fact that believers can now enter into the very presence of God and that you can do that today. Even this morning, this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Prior to this, there was only one man. This guy called the High Priest on that one day, the day called the Day of Atonement, and that was only one day a year. But now, what we have described for us here in the moment of the death of Jesus means something. It means that 
every believer can now enter the presence of God. And not just once, but every day, and in every minute of every day. Which means every one of us can shout in agreement with what that Roman centurion, when he do declared, and saw what happened, and heard what happens, and he said, as he stood in front of the, the dying and dead Jesus in the cross, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. So here's the sum of this short passage this morning. The whole reason Christ was born, the whole reason he came to earth was to bring about a situation where you and I, where we can have access to God as our Father. He died in order that we can have access to God any time, at any place. He ripped the barrier down, he destroyed it, he ripped the veil that we now could not only go before God, but we could go before God as our Father. It made God rather than distant and far off. It made him our Father, our Abba Father. Abba is a term of endearment and is equivalent to our modern term Daddy. It indicates the intimacy we can have and the trust we can have in our God as Father. When by Jesus' death the ripped veil occurred, we are all every single person on this planet all potentially given access to God but now it is access to God as Abba Father in other words your father your father God is now approachable under this Old Testament system God was not approachable by everybody the presence was limited under the New Testament temple system also, God was not approachable to everybody. The presence of God was always limited and limited to one person once a year. The advent of Jesus is the beginning of that opening up of an invitation for men and women to approach God as our Father, not to approach him in fear. And that invitation was delivered at the point of Jesus' death and symbolically represented for all to see by the ripping of the veil before their very eyes in the Holy of Holies. And believers around the world can celebrate now not only the birth, the life and the ministry, but also of all things the death of Jesus because it has made God now approachable to us. God is approachable and he is our Father, but he is our Abba Father. So he's approachable in an entirely new way. Prior to these events, God's presence was literally penned in. In John chapter 4, Jesus speaking about this says, and listen carefully, this is the words of Jesus himself. Believe in me, a time is coming, when he said, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. A time is coming when now all true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of true worshippers the Father seeks. So God is no longer accessible only by location. He is accessible in spirit and in truth. And he's available anywhere. God is available now anywhere and wherever and whenever you need him. God is now available anytime and any place because God is open. He's approachable. But remember, you still have to choose to approach him in free will. He may be available anywhere, he may be available anytime, but you still have to choose to go towards him, before him. 
Do you remember back in the day, are you of the same age as me, where you remember when you had to, wanted, if you were out and about and you wanted to call someone, you had to go and find a phone box, or you even had to go home? What God has given all of us is a spiritual mobile phone. He's placed it in our person not on our person, in our person, and you can contact him anytime. Abba Father is not now just approachable, he's available all the time. And you'll never get an engaged single. You'll never find you can't connect. You'll never get an answering machine message telling you to call back. You can call upon him when you need him and when you just want to be with him. And he will always be there. He'll answer all the time. Why do you think he did all this? Why did he send his son to be born in a stable in Bethlehem? Why did he then allow his son to die on a cross at Calvary? And why then did the veil rip from top to bottom? Why? Because God wants to make himself approachable. He wants to make himself available, but we friends still have to choose to act on that in free will. You see friends, God, Abba Father, wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you because he is a loving father and he wants to hear from you because he wants to help you in whatever you're going through in life. He just wants you to talk to him and lead your life according to the direction that he wants to reveal to you and you'll gain that insight from spending time with him. One of my cousins many years ago when I was young, he was a few years older than me, he left Northern Ireland and moved to England and joined the RAF. And he rose through the ranks to be very highly, he rose to be what was called a wing commander in the Royal Air Force. And later on, he would in fact go on to become a very big cheese in what's called NATO. Very early in his career, when he was promoted to squadron leader, he still had a young family at that time. And I remember hearing once, when I was staying with my uncle Norman, who was his father, I heard him talk about, he said to one of his grandchildren, which would have been my cousins, I suppose, he said to them, you know, your father, becoming a wing commander, is now a very important person. He's the leader of a lot of people. And I remember him saying, his little son said, will I still be allowed to call him daddy? Well, friends, God is now your father. And he's your father because Jesus Christ came and walked this earth and then died for our sins. And because of that, we now have the opportunity to call upon God, but to call upon him as father, no more than that, as Abba Father. And we can do that anywhere, anytime, any place, and now and for always. There we are, friends. That's it for today. Thank you for joining me. My name is Jeremy McCandless, and you've been listening to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. You know what? This potential transformation in our relationship with God was orchestrated through the entire story of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his ministry, and ultimately even his death on the cross, by which he paved the way for all of us to reach out to God as our Father, our loving Father, to communicate with him, to seek guidance, to seek his experience, to seek his help, and to experience his continuing presence. God really does, I believe, desire to hear from us. That's what I believe this passage teaches teaches us. He wants to guide us and support us in our journey through life. 
So let's call upon him, friends. Let's call upon our Abba Father and do that at any and every moment and in any circumstances because you know what? He's always there. He's always there waiting to embrace you, to guide you, to lift you up and to love you and support you. And thanks be to God for that. So with that all said, I'll say bye-bye for now and I do trust I'll see you back here again tomorrow or whatever day is good for you on our next episode together in our journey through the Bible with the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.